It's episode 1116, and it's the Relevant Podcast here in Orlando. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and joining me from Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Nashville, Tennessee, artist, producer, mogul, Derek Miner. What's happening? Just down the road there, our managing editor, downtown Emily Brown. Hey, y'all. Brentwood, Emily Brown. Okay. Don't, An- don't give my exact Brentwood, address Emily away. Brown. Oh, my God. Hey, big, big hater, big hater energy right here. Big hater energy. What do you mean, hater? I live there too. What are you talking about? Wait, I'm actually not in Brentwood. I am in Nashville. Where are you at? I'm not going to give my address, bleep it out, but I am in Nashville. (laughs) She's like, you know where uh, the hot chicken place? I'm on the, I live above it. Send us a pen. (laughs) Send us a pen. We'll make the determination. Okay. All right. And from LA, you know, from Social Club Misfits, it's Marty. What's up? What's up? I'm here. You are here. Uh, we have a great show in store for you today. I'm excited about this one. Okay, I'm going to start. Normally, I'd start with the guest, and, and I'm going to start with the last segment. Coming up later, we have your feedback. And if you remember last week's show, Jesse, at the end of the show, got talking about running for president under a new party called the Common Sense mm-hmm. Party. He wants yes. to abolish daylight savings time. He mm-hmm. wants to make the hot dogs match the buns, number-wise. He's, he's a common sense. Let's oh, just knock out the easy, easy stuff, stuff first. Bring Easy America stuff. together. Okay. Yeah. We asked you for more things for the Common Sense Party platform, and you did not disappoint. <laughs> it is amazing, the yeah. uh, roster of feedback we have coming up later today. I might actually run for office should should these this feedback be a, to the caliber you're describing. I mean, Jesse, <laughs> you know, you have to get a certain number of like names on a petition to get on the ballot. How hard could it be? Based on the feedback we got. <laughs> The support you would have running for office, you could absolutely get on at least two states' ballots. I promise. All I need. I just 100%. want to make some noise this this time around and and, and shake it up. What's the Ralph? You're going to be the Ralph Nader. You're going to be the, you're going to be the Ralph Nader. <laughs> yeah. You're always just there. You're yeah. just there, you're there, taking votes yeah. away from Ralph other parties, Perot. but not enough. Yeah. To do, yeah. I feel like That's if you. I get to the yeah. point where they're like, I have a parody character on SNL, I've made it. You know, that's my yes. political. That's the that's actual goal. Not really trying to do anything. Discourse. Just want to be a parody. Most funny people's SNL. goal is to get on SNL. Your funny person goal is to be, be mentioned parodied. on SNL. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Be a punchline. That's pretty cool. Exactly. I think. I mean, we're halfway there. We have a great relevant buzz coming up. There's a lot happening this week, and then we also have Cold War Kids. There are guests this week. Cold War Kids. They were on our cover back in like 20. I'm gonna say 2008 or nine, uh, as like when they were I emerging. And then now they put out 10 albums and they have a new one coming out. We wow. talked to Cold War Kids. They're that. great. Before we came out, Marty, you were saying that artists that were, there was a window. Yeah. That, that. Yeah. A, a, explain, explain your observation, Marty. And then, and then I have a theory. Yeah. So uh, it's not even an observation. It's actually been a conversation I've been having over here with like label people and stuff. And the conversation started with 50 Cent. Um, selling out his tour in like a day, 24 hours sold like 50,000 tickets, not quite Taylor Swift numbers. That still shocks me though. Still shocking. So we were talking about how there are certain artists from, uh, about 2005 and like, it's like a certain window that there's certain artists that are just going to always be around and always going to thrive. And it's like, 
it's almost like the music was shaped for an entire, like almost like cultures were like, uh, generations were like bleeding into each other and parents were now listening to hip hop. It was just a different time. And so those artists within that window, it's like a 10 year window are be, are still majorly successful. Like you go to Kings Leon who came out, you know, 2005, six, like was really the peak I'm years. I'm sorry. Did you say out. Leon? Like there's a little thing Leon? on it? Is that what it is? It's Leon. Kings I've been of Leon. Three, it's Kings of Leon. Leon? Dang, I've been to three Kings shows and I've... I, I actually <laughs> I was wearing French. merch on like one of the fir- other episodes. That I was wearing a shirt. Like a, there's, there's, no tilde. there's no tilde over the O. It's just Leon. Yeah, but I'm, I'm Spanish. So I just... I only know <laughs> I one like other it. person. It's Leon. That sounds like a medieval gang like Robin of Loxley would have fought. I know a Leon. I, it's, I don't know Leon. I, I don't know. I guess I... I thought they were classy anyway. So yeah, there's this window of artists and they're uh they're doing ma- they're majorly successful and I would say Cold War Kids is one of those artists that will never go away, always going to sell out. Actually, if I'm not mistaken, Cold War Kids opened up for Kings of Leon, right? Leon, you yeah. said it was. Yeah. And that's the name of it now. Yeah. They opened up for them, and I mean, it was a show of like ten thousand people. It was in West Palm. It was incredible. Uh, there was this. There was this era that Relevant, our print magazine, covered very heavily from like two thousand seven to two thousand twelve. I would say of like indie artists like the XX or the Kills or Kings of Leon was yeah. on the cover. Uh, Cold War Kids, like it was an amazing era of music. And I, I agree with your observation that. It was this weird transitional moment where that music still holds up. Like it's a good era. And so people are still into it and it birthed what we're hearing now, you know? So it's like, it, it it's does. so influential yeah, it to the artist's deconstructed electronic pop, like James Blake led to mm-hmm. da, 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 da. Yes. I mean, there's like so many Kanye West, you know, like right, how right. many songs did Travis Scott right now? It's, it's almost, it's the first era. They used to say this back in the day when I first started making music, it's the era where parents and kids can enjoy the same thing. So at one point they started making mu- uh, movies like that where parents and kids can enjoy the same thing. Cause like the gap was different than maybe our, us with our parents, you know, oh, yeah. I think, we're also in this era where things are it's like so much happening at once you don't realize how many different tribes there are of people that love certain stuff you know what I'm saying Like I remember back in the day when a Drake album would drop the whole world's attention would be on Drake he'd have Mm -hmm. it for like two weeks but now it's just Drake's people have his attention and you know, Kings and Leon's people have their attention. And yeah. it just seems like we're just in these silos of the tribes. Yeah, almost the tribes like, yeah, strong. like we're, yeah. In the, yes. we're in the 90s fan club era. You remember, remember that era yeah. where it was like, yeah. you got the fan. Yeah. Emily shaking her <laughs> head. Like, I was, she's I a fetus. I was but, five. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if you remember the song Stan from Eminem, or if you heard the song Stan from Eminem, it's from a fan writing him a letter to his fan club and he not getting back to him in time. And then the last verse is Eminem actually responding to him. Like we're back to me in that fan club era where big artists are being birthed from their, their tribe. Um, but I, I think the thing is we have so much information now we may never even see those artists. Like there's guys that have, Four million monthly listeners on Spotify, and yeah. you've never heard of them before in your life, unless something goes viral, and then they pop out into the the mainstream for like five seconds. 
and then go back home. Well, yeah, I mean, there's no more like, well, I don't say it doesn't exist, but we've talked about before, like the monoculture of all everyone kind of everywhere experiencing Mm -hmm. the same culture to some degree, you know, now only exists for like certain art, the the, certain caliber of artists or like a sporting event or like an election or something. But it's not just with music, like we said before. It's like it's that way with movies mm-hmm. or, or TV shows. It used to be like you can make a reference to a TV show and everyone at least knew the reference. Now, it's, you know, everything is so divided because of choice and technology that yeah. we are getting more and more siloed. Yeah. But all I'd say. Can- huh. OK, so no, so so maybe the thing about that era of 2007 to 2012, it was like the last musical era before Spotify. Yeah, exactly. And everybody yeah. went so niche. And so we all were listening to. That's what it was. I forgot. That's actually what it was. It's the physical album era. Anybody who sold physical albums in the 2000s, literally Adele said this. She said, if you bought, they call it the Adele effect, where if you bought an album before, you will like that type of fan base is locked in forever. Like they're locked in. If you bought a physical album of your favorite artist, you might be locked in forever. It's before music got free and disposable. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like I'm invested in this artist. I care about this artist. I'm going to tell my friends about this artist. We're all listening to the new Cold War Kids album. But now it's like I could be listening to stuff, you know, because it's all free and disposable. I don't need to talk about it, post about it, care about it because I have no skin in the game. That's interesting. I just I just wrote a uh, I just read an article where a guy said that Taylor Swift is the last megastar. She's the she's the last like person that gets the attention of the world every time she drops that he says that there will be people selling out there will be people selling out arenas well i'm I'm saying like he's saying the last like she's the youngest one she's the last of that era she's older than the weekend okay literally i read today that the weekend in the last decade he has the two top selling singles of the last 10 years is the weekend but oh. I think I think the point you're missing is they all came around in the same era. Same time. Like, you're right. You're right. Yeah, you're right. they're around the same era. So the idea is that that era, that's the last era of the we of can the grab everybody's attention. Now, what he said is people will sell out arenas still. People will have huge followings. We just everyone just won't know about it. It'll just be in its mm. own little world. Like a public big this, figure like that. Like, hey, pop culture, talk about it at dinner table. Right. Because remember, yeah, we would get right. all our news from like Complex or you would get all mm. of your pop culture news from these like blogs where everybody came and kind of gathered around. But now because everybody is kind of in their own in their own tribe, in their own world, there's guys that are blowing up, Ooh. selling out arenas you know, doing big dates and we don't know anything about it because there's no way the information can get to everyone. Well, I think this was, Cameron and I were kind of talking about this week. Uh, It was announced that I think in two weeks time, um, the SNL musical guest is this like little up and coming pop star, this girl named Tate McRae. I didn't realize how big she was. Like I, I am obviously very into the pop music. Um, I'd heard her songs. I went and looked, she has like, I think 30 something country artist. No, she's pop, like, like indie pop, she, oh. indie pop, like, yeah. indie pop, kind of. She had what a song key, does she sing? Sing big, it for me. Emily. Big TikTok no, stuff. <laughs> Just uh, big TikTok Emily, stuff. Emily, sing the song so we she all. A, can, her big song right now is called. Real? She has a song called Greedy, and she's good. But I was like really surprised when they announced that because I was like, I don't think she's that big of a pop star. Like I could name a few of her songs. Again, I 
very famously and like very into the world of pop music. I was like so shocked to see how many monthly listeners she'd had and like streams that she had on her songs. I mean, she's had songs with over 1.3 billion streams. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I can name an artist right now. Danny Ocean. Has anyone ever heard of that person? Danny Ocean. Frank Ocean and Danny he Gokey. Has, he has 10. Yeah. Danny, uh, Danny, Danny Ocean has 10 diamond singles. That's you know I'm saying? Like, crazy. That's the type of what we're t- like. He's a Latin guy. Ten mm. diamond and like so, that's what I'm like that's where we're all literally in our own group like that girl is in our own group you mm-hmm. know and Danny has been it for ten years. I would like to point out, Derek, that you have picked at a scab and a wound that has turned my life and work at Relevant upside down. <laughs> is you're talking about the fact that back in the day there were curators, there were gatekeepers, Complex.com, mm. people mm-hmm. looked at Relevant, yeah. whatever. We we're I platforming these artists. We all look to it. Boom. Now. That gatekeeper is gone. Yeah. I would say SNL yeah. is maybe the last kind of version of that because it's like we're all watching SNL. Well, we see that artist and that person like may come from another TV, world. Maybe. But, yeah. but well, think about her. She's got 1.3 billion listens on one of her singles. She's going to go to SNL. Three million people will see it. Right. You know, right. so it's still like that She's gatekeeper isn't SNL. even breaking her. Yeah. She's bigger than SNL. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Without That's a crazy the gatekeepers. thought. She's bigger than SNL. Right. Wow. Without the gatekeepers. But, but the, other, the other thing, too, like I think it's it beyond, you know, pop culture outlets. It's the algorithms are the gatekeepers. What yeah. serves you, mm. what you get served in a playlist, what re- related artists show up next to whatever you're listening to. It really is like mm-hmm. the algorithms have taken, you know. Th- have taken over. And none of us the have role. the same algorithm, yeah. so we don't have the same music experience anymore. Exactly. Whereas exactly. before, we'd all look at Complex. Complex is saying this artist is the next big thing, and we all paid attention. You know, so yeah, yeah, I'm with you, man. It's weird. Anyway, Cold War Kids. Yeah. Last, <laughs> I'm excited. Cold War Kids. There you go. They're coming up. Kings right. of Leon. <laughs> Kings of Leon. They were on our cover too, yeah. and. I, uh, I, when they were on our cover, they had a, they had, they came up in the church, right? Like they're the Kings of Leon brothers traveled around with their evangelist dad. They were the band. That's how they came up. Crazy story. Their huge breakout single in the early two thousands was your sex is on fire. Sex, Right. Yeah. And so we got an interview with them. Their new album was coming out, you know, like we wanted to talk about their interesting, crazy faith story and all that kind of stuff. And I put on the cover, uh, Kings of Leon, like sex, God, and rock and roll, or something like that, right? We, our distribution of the magazine at that time was half in Christian bookstores, and I had the word sex huge on the cover. Mm. We got pulled from Lifeway, we got pulled from family Christian stores, all because of Kings of Leon. So, wow. anyway, there so you go. What and now, what happened about? to them? So, Good job, I guess Kings we went, of Leon. Huh? <laughs> well, where are they now? You know what happened to them? All, you yeah. know, oh yeah. man, we <laughs> one relevant, one Cameron, zero family Christian <laughs> bookstore. They're all gone now. In, anyway. in Appleton, Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> all right, stay tuned. Up next, it's relevant buzz. Listening to Prep, the song is Open Up.
Season four of The Chosen is in theaters now, and the reviews that count are in. Amazing. Did not disappoint. Flurry of emotions. It was powerful, heartbreaking, uplifting. You have got to come and see it. It is a message for everybody. I highly recommend that you come out and see The Chosen season four. Episodes one through three of The Chosen season four are in theaters till February 14th. So visit thechosenriseup.com and get your tickets now. That's thechosenriseup.com for tickets today. All right, it's time for... Uh, Hey, Emily, what's happening at the intersection of faith and culture this week? I'd love to tell you. All right. Well, you guys know Chip Chip and Joanna Gaines, uh, like the DIY couple. They turn like every home into a farmhouse, have their own network. Shiplap, Mr. and Mrs. Shiplap, if you will. Um, Well, they are developing four new unscripted shows for HBO Max. And I am really excited wait, to talk wait, not, about not them. Wait, not for the Magnolia Network, not Home Renovation. Not for Magnolia stuff. Network. It's no, for these HBO will Max. be Got on okay. Max. Um, because when you hear the description of the show, you'll get why this maybe isn't the most Magnolia it didn't Network fit the Magnolia Network content. Yeah, let's hear it. The first two are kind of like whatever, but we're going to talk about them. The last two, just get ready. Okay, so first we have Second Chance Stage, which gives contestants who kind of had to like put their dreams on the back burner the chance to finally make them come true. Sweet, oh. whatever. Another reality Jesse, competition. Your stand-up aspirations. I've, they've reached out, and I said, <laughs> I, like I said, I, I want to be a punchline, not telling punchlines at this point. Yeah. Call me when, it's, when you have a political episode for a legitimate third party. Oh, I'm trying to inject some common sense in this <laughs> mad country of ours. It's great. Drill. All right, second um, chance. All right. Okay, second chance. Or, sorry, the next one is Roller Jam. Uh, where the top roller skating crews in the country will compete to see who will be crowning America's best roller dancing team. Can, can I pause you there? Absolutely. There's roller dancing teams in the country, much less yes. top ones. Like, First of all, you need to. Fo- you don't have my my uh, TikTok algorithm because there is a whole subculture of roller skate scene. It's a roller skate scene, man. Why is that on your TikTok impressive. algorithm? I'm telling you, I don't know how some cool old grandpa roller skating showed up one day and I was like, oh, this is great. And I clicked it or whatever. And now all I see is roller skate dancing. Wait, videos so it's old something. people. That's it's not crazy. like young people. It's everything. It's it's Usher. It's young black culture. It's old dudes in Topeka. It's crazy. There's a whole roller skate dancing. They have crews. They practice. They have choreography. It's crazy. I love it. Well, they're going to have the time of their life on Roller Jam. Come on, Chip and Joe. <laughs> Are Chip and Joe going to compete? <laughs> Please. Maybe they're the judges. but I do hope that, yeah, they demonstrate the dances before. I, but I the just whole thing see. is about swag, and it's like it's definitely like an uh, urban thing. I'm, it doesn't fit Chip and Joe in my mind. But hey, okay. roll Don't put bounce, them in a box. baby. Roll bounce. Bow wow and... Uh, at T.I., man, black folks been skating for a minute, boy. That's what I'm saying. It's, I see it as more of a black scene, not a Chip and Joe scene. That's does, all the, does, the, does each episode open with Chip bursting through a sheet of dry, drywall on roller skates? <laughs> you know, it's I being like developed. I like that. That would be awesome. We can send them some notes. <laughs> Maybe they renovate um, roller, okay. roller rinks because yeah. a lot of them need I to be renovated. I want them to do a crossover episode. they renovate episode. the roller rink and then they have a competition with to celebrate it. A, a crossover end. episode where a roller dance crew renovates a house for a family in need. <laughs> Who's not watching? <laughs> all right, Who's not all right, watching? Well, or get the Property Brothers out there. What are, okay, so these are two. All right, what, so what those are, the are the two ones? probably more tame ones, I would argue. So Wait, wait. You're right. putting roller skating in like we... Like, this is what we would have expected from Chip and Joe. Interesting. Okay. I'm putting so what just else a little bit more tame. Okay. The next one, 
it's this they're just funny premises okay the next one is back to the frontier where families will leave modern life behind to live like their 1800s pioneers so like reverse amish in a way seems more on brand yeah, it does seem yeah. a little more yeah, on brand. That, yeah. that seems on brand a little home it's about family simplicity connection community not yeah i mean i that that's a chip and joe value so i'm interested that you you started out you put roller jams as more Chip and Joe than the Olmstead one. Okay. I think because like roller is like roller dance teams are like already established. Like I'm curious, where are they finding these people who are wanting to give up their modern life to go live as Amish? I'll do it. As I'll a, do it. Sign Cameron, <laughs> you are like so obsessed with technology. You have that's a terrarium that, that behind is the you, most, That is the most <laughs> yeah, yeah. terrarium. Aquarium, first of all, but I, look for, I don't have I don't have iguanas. <laughs> I fish. First of all, and I had an electrical fire because of that aquarium on Saturday, by the way, I woke up to an electrical fire. Um, oh, that's crazy. I would, I would give all this away. I would absolutely go to a homestead simplicity. For how long? Connection. Like family. a day? I have no more bills. I'm it good. Would just Let's stink. go. That's my issue. The whole thing would stink. It would stink. Have you ever been to Amish farm? I've been to Amish farm. It stinks. And they don't know how bad they stink either. Wow. <laughs> oh my gosh. I was wow. going to say apologies to the Amish community, but they're not going to hear this. <laughs> They're, they're not, not going to hear this at all. They you don't even know the that I exist. You about the Amish you want. You go for it. They yeah, they're offended it. that there's a Latin guy here, there's a black guy no, here. They God. couldn't even handle this conversation yeah. first off. So they're not going to even know what's going to happen. You know, they That's don't know fire. what's going to wow. happen here. So we don't, don't worry about it. But I had family who was Amish And we put Mennonite. a woman on a mic. We, we elevated a woman. Yeah, that's to, another, to be, yeah, you know, yeah. that's another, that, yeah, right there with the devil horns you just did. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I think that, and she's not wearing her Baptist shirt on today. So that's another issue that we have to be completely frank. But I, I've been there. It's, it's, they, they cook really interesting. It's very bland. Their, their treats are delicious. The pies, but the whole place just smells, man. It's just stinky. It's a stinky place. Stinky ordeal. You, so do you really want that cam? Do you want the smelly and like, you know, hey your man. son's going to be like, dad, this smells in here. And then like, it's going to be a whole thing. I think a skunk can't smell its own scent. I think they don't smell themselves. And so then they, you're just living week, your normal they, life. They yeah, they don't. Living it's just the normal. first week you have to deal with. It's all good. All right. What's the last show that they're doing for okay, Max? I can't wait to tell you about this. Uh, it is called Human versus <laughs> Hamster, where real life humans will compete against hamsters in, quote, scaled games of strength, smarts, and agility to find out the superior species. I love this. Can I just say the HBO brand has really shifted? <laughs> like, they have. They have. This is Max. They've gone this is a long way from Oz, The Wire. <laughs> Like the, the Wire, so, Oz, Sopranos, Sopranos Oz, yeah. to, to, they've wives. gone from the peak of prestige <laughs> television, like the world's best hamster creators, to human versus hamsters. That which I'm arguably sure is the peak Chip, of reality TV. I'm competition? sure Chip Gaines cooked up on the way to a meeting when he realized he was supposed to come with some ideas and forgot. Like he was like, uh, like, "I like the roller skate. Hey, let's do a roller skate show." <laughs> yeah, he's like, "Hey, no my kid has a hamster. Anymore, you know, it'd be crazy if humans were in a ball like a hamster is." He's like, "I could beat my hamster." I could do this. You know what? You know, that's how it started. Definitely was winging the pitch. Yeah. I I just can't figure out on that one where the idea originated. Was it Chip and Joe or was it H, Was it Max suggesting it to Chip and Joe? I don't know who came up with the idea of humans competing against hamsters, but I love it. I wonder I if they started it, so. off like human versus some other animal. I think it's so ridiculous. I'll, I'll watch, watch, this. I'll watch anything, Dude, bro. I watch The Floor is Lava. It's the same thing. It's just yeah. stupid I'll human. Watch no, the UK do, love do, Island. do not insult Floor is Lava like that. Yeah. It's so good, Marty. Do not I'll watch insult love Floor is Lava like that. 
Show respect to its name, uh, please. I'll Show watch respect. Carlton from Fresh Prince host. I'll watch him host. <laughs> well, yeah, I do want to know. I'll watch Nick Cannon host another show. It's not sure if like Chip and Joe are going to host all these shows or if they're just like producers. I'm trying to think who would be the ideal host for Human versus Hamster. It's Nick Cannon always. What are you talking about? <laughs> Steve Harvey giving motivational speeches between the hamster and the human. He's motivating the hamster. It's like when I was young, I didn't have a mustache. Uh, you know, yeah. honestly, I would watch Nate Bargatze all day long hosting Human versus. That would be Hamster. great. Yeah, mm. that would be great. He would mm. have the most. He would be really takes. funny. Yeah, it'd be really funny. He would be awesome. Okay, now the real question of these four games or for yeah reality competitions which one are you guys going to sign up for okay so we got the homestead one no. roller jam human versus hamster and second chance second change. chance amish right second chance or second chance yeah. the homestead one yeah i was first so. i'm definitely going hamster uh yeah no question you know it it, it I, I feel like least least likely for humiliation would be well here's the thing going what if you lose to a hamster like how do you recover from that? <laughs> now we know. Now we yeah. know. But now, now science. Yeah. And, and the I'm rest of your life, <laughs> you walk in humility. Science doesn't lie. <laughs> you walk in humility because you never think you're better than a hamster. You know, just like it's a humbling thing. God can use it in your life. Go for it. Yeah. Someone's mm-hmm. got to. Someone's got to find out who's better at different things. Why not? Why not one of us? Like it's fine. You know, <laughs> you win some, you lose some. If if, if I get stranded out in Amish country, I'm never going to hear the end of it. You know, like yeah. if I have to tap out. <laughs> I, I want to do the Amish country because I just feel like they'll end up either burning me like a witch right. or I'll end up corrupting everybody there and then making it like, hey, it's, it, we're, we're back. Now you can you can show your ankles off now. You know, you could you could, you know, <laughs> use salt. <laughs> Have you guys ever tasted salt before? Yo. I can tell people the weather on my on my magic device. You know what I'm saying? You know, I'm, you know, I'm going with this. You know what I'm saying? You know, where I'm taking this. Hey guys, uh, I have magic in my hands. You want to know what the, the weather mind. is tomorrow? He's holding up his phone, listener. He's holding up his yeah. phone. Yeah. I'm holding up my phone right now. It's a meeting. You know, I'm just gonna, and then I could check them on all the BS that they have to spew to me. They're like, "Well, this is how we. This is how you know Saint. You know the old towny guy did it." And I'm like, "Wait a second, I got a better way on TikTok." <laughs> <laughs> I like it. So you're gonna go on that show to disrupt it? Okay, got it. Derek? Disruptor, yeah. Derek, are you doing Roller Jam? No, I I would pay money to see you on Roller Jam. <laughs> no, I'm not doing Roller Jam. T.I. and Derek are going to host it. Yeah. The Roller Jam. Usher, Usher and Derek. I'll host yeah, it. I'll go. host it for Usher. sure. Usher but you and Derek you, are going to host you it. Won't you won't catch judge. me with no roller skates on. You, but in order to host, you have to beat. I yeah, feel like you could. Teams. Did you ever do that when you were younger, Derek? Bro, it was terrible. So, yeah. <laughs> Just, I do fourth grade, fifth grade. I got bad memories throughout the summer. My, there'd be one day every week. My mom would just like drop me off at the Royal rink and you just hang out with your buddies. And I just remember there was like, it. there was a time, I think it was fourth grade and there was a girl I had a crush on. She was with her friends going around and I wanted to kind of impress her. And I, the tiger came on and it's like, come on. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Wow. Yeah. yeah, you, yeah. Got, you got to speed up. You got to show your swag on that one. Yeah, like get like low to the ground, Dude, right? Dude, I went, dun, I went dun, like dun. tried to zoom past her, got wobbly, yeah. smashed into the wall. She laughed her butt off. I never went back. I was like, that's it. My roller skating <laughs> career is over. My crush laughed at me. I had a buddy. I had a buddy who became a floor guard for a job, you know? The referee that skates around the rink. Oh, yeah. And I went to go pick him up from work one time, and he had like 10 minutes left on his shift, and I was like, my dude has stumbled on the greatest job of all time. Like, <laughs> he was getting nothing but respect out there. He's the one referee that gets ultimate respect. And you spend your entire day just 
zooming around that rink, doing learning. Day. I, his moves were insane by the end of that of that summer job because he spent. He, you should tell him about Roller Jam. I should. I should. He was he was a legit floor guard at at a roller rink, and he, he probably was so good spinning around. Like, hey, too close to each honestly, other. Honestly, it's a top five. Them. If 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 money. <laughs> Wasn't an object. It's a top five job. <laughs> I name five better jobs than roller rink floor guard. I, you won't. What if you combine the Amish show with the roller skating show? But like oh, the roller skating show is in Atlanta. I love it. It's in Atlanta though, <laughs> and so they it. have to go to Atlanta. And he's like seven. The seven like white people well, have to watch these people in Atlanta. That's w- a show I want to watch. And then there's hamsters also on roller skates. I want to see a reality <laughs> show. I want to see a reality <laughs> show where it's like the world's coolest roller rink, and it's like. A reality show about the floor guards, like you know how they have. You'll see a reality show every once in a while, like game wardens or lifeguards or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. this is a reality show, but the real. Are you lives referring to Baywatch? Okay. Uh, that's not a reality. I was getting show more like a below guards. deck vibe. Yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I, I dig it heavy. I mean, I, imagine a really big one though. Like, a, like we're talking like the circle and that French, mm-hmm. you know, like that roundabout in France. These that's are like the stories big. of the people who keep this thing running. Seven guys. You're talking about yeah. Roller, yeah. roller skating yeah, around their own personal de, lives in between. The Arc de Triomphe in, in Paris. Yeah, like it's right there. Okay. We're gonna start. Yeah. We're gonna start the episode there. That's what's <laughs> okay. gonna happen. And there's seven guys there who have like heartbreaking, you know, redemption stories. And they, they're sharing chance. it while helping. Yeah. They, they had yeah. big roller skating aspirations and this life is a happened. Huge crossover and now this is their episode. second one. Hockey players, you know, street hockey players. It's a Find top five job. I, I, that needs to be the question of the week. Name five better jobs than floor guard at a roller, at a, at a hype good roller. Luck. We have Ooh. another question of the week option coming up because okay. of another <laughs> that's a buzz, good one. A buzz item. But that's a good backup. Always All on right. brand, Jesse. All right, Always Emily, on brand. Let's, what else do we have for uh, Buzz? Yeah, uh, I want to talk about some comments Elon Musk made recently. Uh, he was speaking at a summit uh, about AI, of course. Um, and Musk said that he envisions a future where AI will make jobs just unnecessary. All jobs. All jobs. Yeah, he said, it's hard to say exactly what that moment is, but there will come a point where no job is needed. You can have a job if you wanted to have a job for personal satisfaction, but the AI would be able to do everything. Let me tell you all, because we've had conversations about this. I'll bring you up to speed and then I want to hear what you have to say. So they really going to love communism. He wants to make the... (laughs) Well, he's, uh, you know, context is... socialism, because the government going to take care of everybody if we ain't working. Well, he was at he was at the uh, AI summit because X is launching their own AI chat GPT competitor. So, you know, he's been in this world. So he's mm. been thinking a lot about it. Anyway, that's context. But when he said all jobs can be will be replaced by AI, I'm sort of thinking, how can AI build a house? Hey, can I, how can AI, you know, be a nurse? How can AI roller rink? How can AI guard a roller rink? You know, exactly that kind of stuff. So I, you know, it's a little hyperbole. I get, you know, he was just making a point. So let's let's back it up to something more realistic that all office jobs might be replaced by AI, not manual labor jobs. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and some manual labor, robotics and stuff could replace it. But let's go to office jobs. As it relates to what we do, we make media. We well, AI can't create human like interviews and human content. So Yes, I know that there's fake versions of it, but I'm talking about real human content, like what yeah. we're doing right now with personalities, podcasts, personalities, styles. things like that. So, so let's set that aside and let's just go with like, with, as it relates to what we do at Relevant, can AI plan and write articles? Yes. Can AI one day design websites and apps? Yes. Can AI strategize and execute a social media strategy? Yes. Can AI do sales? Yes. I could see a future where AI vastly disrupts most industries. 
So then here's what was interesting to us is what he said was the future won't be about you need to work to make money or whatever, but what humanity will struggle with is a purpose for life. Cause so many mm-hmm. people find their purpose in their vocation. And if mm-hmm. I don't have to have a vocation or I could use AI for my vocation, I don't actually do it myself. I just guide it. What's my purpose. And if that only, is interesting to me is that he's, if, t- if only we had some sort of book that would tell us about deeper purpose and mission in life and how to spend your hours on this earth doing something that will fulfill you both, uh, uh, if we had a movie called the Omega temporarily Code, and, and eternally, I, I don't know. I, I agree with you, Elon. We are we are we're lost without some sort of. But think about this. There. This is the reality. Twenty. I, I wouldn't even say twenty or fifty years from now. Like ChatGPT came out a year ago, mm-hmm. and 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 Emily and I use it every day. Mm-hmm. It has expanded yeah, our impact, our capability as a team, and will continue to do so as applications continue to be developed rapidly. This could be a reality this decade, of like. Not only like entire economies being turned upside down, but now people saying like, if I don't, if I can't have that job, I, that job isn't needed. What do I do with my life? Why am I here on this earth? That's interesting to me. Andy, Andy Minio sent me a video last week. Someone made a AI oh, video drop. of him. Amen. Well, because I need you guys to know when I tell you this next fact, okay. He's, someone made an AI video about his net worth, right? In the video, there's pictures of him. Then it goes, the first comment is, he's 6'3". They got that wrong. The second thing is they have an Asian guy in a construction helmet. For some reason, the AI must have thought that that was him. So it's like Andy Minio has a net worth, and then you see an Asian guy like in a construction hat, like smiling. And then he's like, he's 6'3". Like all the details were off. It was, right. And the guy, apparently, like Andy tracked it down, and the guy um, was making five grand a month making these AI bio videos for people mm. um, because they were all being you know monetized and stuff like that. But all the information is completely gone and off so i think we need humans to be like that's not cool or that is cool that works like there still needs a human touch to every just like kind of what derek is saying too that i think even even if people are willing to like pay more for a human experience versus an automated one for whether it could be like a service it could be i could see a future where you're getting like a medical diagnosis through ai or you know Mm -hmm. it's making your food or whatever there will always be a market for human craftsmanship you know what i mean like it might they might i I just don't think it's going to take over everything i think there will be a time Mm -hmm. where people will just pay more to have Mm -hmm. not a machine crank something out i think you're right on that but that's again going to be a choice so what Mm. i think his point Mm. was was that there will be no jobs that can't be done by ai and humans will choose to work but they don't have to work and so it's like what's that going to do to humanity, to economies, things like that. As a straight like employment situation, Emily and I were talking about, like just relevance been around 23 years now. So it's like the way we had to staff for the first decade or 15 years, you know, like we had, we had to pay staffers to transcribe interviews. I had to pay some college Mm. kid to transcribe interviews. And then it's like, Oh, there's transcription services. So I can offload that. I can outsource that. And now AI can transcribe that interview perfectly for free. And so it's like, I don't have to pay an outsource company and I don't have to pay an employee. AI can do it for free. And so for us, like, I, will it replace every human that I want to? No, I want to have a core team, but our core team is going to be using and guiding the AI 
But the AI, like I would if I was a creative director, I would give direction to a designer on our staff. Hey, here's what we want to do. Here's the style. Here's what we want to whatever. And then he would do a version. I would give feedback to it. Well, I can use AI for the exact same in the exact same way. Articles, mm. all of it. So what we were talking about is before, if I had to have a staff of 35 or 50 people to execute X amount of output in the future, I could have a staff of four people ex- doing the same output as 50. And that's mm. fundamental. And that's true because those four people yeah. need to have the curation, the taste, the guidance of the AI. But I don't have to have employing junior designers, sense, yeah. employing customer service, employing all these other people. That's going to be disruptive. Right now in the creative world, right? That's where it's thriving. Yeah, the creative world for sure. But think about other, think about accounting firms. Think about uh, other yeah, things where it's just like auditing calculations firms, and numbers. auditing and things like that. Like, yeah. why would you need to employ 5,000 people at your national accounting firm when that could all be done by AI five years from now? I mean, I think the, it's going to be hugely the, disruptive. The part where it's like in thinking about like finding meaning in life um, is interesting because it's like, I got into journalism because I like writing and I like editing. And so the fact that AI can do that for me while it is good, it is like, okay, well that's like something like if I'm still passionate about writing, where can I go? Obviously I'm not relevant. So, but like, again, like someone else, like where do they go to pursue that passion and like be paid for that passion? And it's like, this is making it sound like and be paid for that passion. That's going to be key. But, yeah, because now it but seems like think, they're not going to be able to be paid for it. It might be something they do on the side just right. because they, they enjoy it, but mm. they have to now do right. a job that they don't feel passionate about and they don't right. like because they have to pay bills. That's but, right. but there are, but I, th- I think especially in examples in the creative fields and things like writing, there are some things that I, you know, I think AI is great at being like informational, but mm-hmm. like, like one example, I can't remember, it was some tech podcast about AI and they were talking about and it was just it was just a microcosm of the AI blind spot is is humor. They were trying to get mm. AI mm. like ChatGTP and those things to tell it at jokes. Mm. It doesn't it's, it's understand what yeah, it human. doesn't understand what makes something funny. And there's no way it's sort of like this problem. Like humor you know doesn't mm. even translate across cultures much less right. you know what I mean like much less there's some single recipe you can type in to make a robot funny. There'll always be this nuance where only humans can understand something that is so rooted in the human condition, whether it's humor is just an example. Like you could say, write a a scary story, but it doesn't understand human fear like a human Mm. does. You know what I mean? Like there's a certain degree of humanity that's hard to replace. Because Cameron, you've brought up before how, like back in the fifties, whatever, when the invention of the calculator, like that kind of disrupted a lot of like mathematicians. But I think, Mathematics, yeah. I think the difference between that is whether you do math by hand or by a calculator, two plus two will always equal four with, with writing. If you tell me to write a scary story and you tell AI to write a scary story, we're going to come up with two wildly different things. Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think that's where like, when it comes to creativity that's where AI can do it, but it's going to be a quality. I, I think the quality of what AI can do is going to be different. I agree with everything y'all are saying. And I think we're talking in the current. We have to remember that it's yeah, only going to be better in five years from right? here and, 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 and rapidly. And so like, for example, a year ago when ChatGPT came out, we would ask it just testing its limits to pitch ideas, article ideas for relevantmagazine.com. 
and they would pitch very generic faith and culture type ideas. And it was like, okay, none of this is usable because of mm-hmm. what y'all are saying. Like this is just doesn't have the nuance. This doesn't have the, the edge, the yeah. angle. Okay. Now, just literally last week, Emily on a lark was wanting to come up with a listicle idea. We need a little humor piece and we want to do like church nostalgia, whatever. And the way we're using a, it's progressed chat GPT four now, which is live on the internet and everything. I can, I literally asked it the other day for a social media strategy, some sales strategies, different things like that. And because it's live and it can find best practices and all this stuff, it gave some great, like almost like a consultant type stuff, some great strategy. Oh, wow. stuff. And I'm like, heck yeah. Shared it with the team. <laughs> we can use this. She asked it for pitch me articles, like funny church nostalgia, listicle ideas for relevant magazine.com. She said 10 came back. Nine were terrible. But one of them, was from P-U-S-H to F-R-O-G, deciphering the 2000s youth group apparel acronym, blah, blah, blah. You know, and it was mm. like all those Christian t-shirts from that, and yeah. those youth group t-shirts mm-hmm. that said like frog or whatever, like what the heck? And it pitched this, and then, so then here's the idea. So then she was able, she was able to <laughs> then ask it follow-up questions like you would if you were pitching at an editorial meeting. Okay, we'll flesh that out. Like what would be some examples of that? And it wrote out all these things that had the nuance, the inside jokes, whatever. Now she then re-edited it and added her voice and stuff. But it did all the heavy lifting and came up with the humor. And it was like, that's really good. We didn't come up with that. And if you look at our website, that article is live and exists. We published it two days ago. AI came up with the idea for that article. So mm. it's getting better with the nuance and the tone yeah. stuff as it progresses. It's progressing so fast. All right. So uh, Elon Musk says one day AI will replace every job and humanity will have to figure out another path toward finding purpose. So church leaders, this is an opportunity. All right. Here's your time okay. to shine. What's the last thing, Emily? Uh, last thing, the head of Netflix's film sector, Scott Stuber, said in an interview this week that they are very ready to get started on Greta Gerwig's film adaptation of Narnia. And they're actually planning, obviously, actor strike pending um, on starting her adaptations next year, which is great news for me because this is kind of the most exciting thing in my life right now. Um, so I really need it to be here very soon. <laughs> <laughs> Things are looking up. Emily looking is up. hilarious. She's like, this is all that matters until Taylor Swift, and then it'll be that. And then I mean, Rodrigo. Be, I think I think about this more than I think about Taylor Swift. <laughs> like this. Oh week. my wait, wait, Greta Gerwig doing Chronicles of Narnia is now your new obsession. Oh, this is your Roman. This is your this Roman is Empire. Capital R, capital E, Roman Empire. Like it is. She has a blank check from Hollywood right now. Good for her. She's earned it. And I think it's so fascinating that after Blockbuster, Blockbuster acclaim, her next project is Chronicles of Narnia. That says something, first of all. Yeah, she recognizes the quality. Where is she going to go with it? Because all I think of when I think of Chronicles of Narnia, I think of the Walden Media CGI version from the 2000s. Yeah, and let's be careful how we speak about those, because those were very formative to a certain person on this podcast. So, Okay, (laughs) I'm I'm excited about this. We're going to hear a lot about it in the coming years. From me. This is what I want to talk about. Yes, I your your love for Taylor Swift is well established. I can I I I understand your um uh like taste when it comes to filmmaking. I can see why Greta Gerwig's right in the wheelhouse. 
How deep does the Narnia thing go? Because it sounds like this is is deeper than we probably imagine here. I had a Narnia tattoo before I had a Taylor Swift tattoo. Relax. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you have an actual Narnia tattoo? I didn't know mm-hmm. you had a Taylor Swift tattoo either. There's is Aslan. it like a likeness of her face or is it like a lyric? It's like a lyric. Because if you had a portrait of like... No, Aslan, I don't have a portrait lion, of Taylor Swift. Then, no, it's like, like representative of a lyric. And they like pause? Or are they like the pause? <laughs> no. Aslan pause? <laughs> no, I have... It's shoulder to shoulder. It's a yeah. huge lion mane. Uh, yeah. I actually have a, war, a lion, a witch, and a wardrobe on my back. Yeah. No. Uh, lower, it's a little... <laughs> a lower back tat with uh, Taylor Swift face on it. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Stamp of Taylor Swift's face. Um, not yet. Probably not ever. Uh, no, I have loved Narnia since I was like a child. Why did you say probably not ever about getting a Taylor Swift face <laughs> tramp stamp? Why did you say probably? I mean, never say never. Can we just say we'll see what never. The future holds. There's no. Let's not. Let's just not rule anything. She out. said never say never. Vegas is open twenty four seven. Vegas is open twenty four seven. I don't know where I'm gonna go in life. We never know <laughs> what's gonna happen. <laughs> I just don't want to say never say never, and then I can't think of a scenario. But if there were ever a scenario where I did, I had to get one. I wouldn't be able to say like I. I knew this was a I possibility. Made a vow one day on a podcast that it would, this would never happen. So yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that'll do it for. Relevant Stay tuned up next. Cold War Kids joins us. You're listening to Toledo. The song is Jesus Bathroom. Well, Relevant has a lot happening this year, and we don't want you to miss a thing. Make sure to sign up for our newsletter right there on the front page at relevantmagazine.com, and we'll send you our top five trending stories sent to your inbox every weekday. We'll also send you a weekly uh, podcast newsletter with the latest episodes, some uh, fan extras, and first peeks at the new shows that we're going to be rolling out throughout this year. Make sure to sign up. It's the best way to keep in touch with everything we got going on. Well, our guest today is Cold War Kids. Uh, we've been fans of the iconic indie rock band since their breakout debut album 17 years ago. Crazy. Uh, we spoke with frontman Nathan Willett about the band's brand new self-titled 10th album and how the music industry is changing, he says, for the better. Here's our conversation with Nathan Willett from Cold War Kids. So this is Cold War Kids' 10th album, which is crazy to say, but you said this was probably the most vulnerable you've ever been on a project. Were you sort of nervous to put this out there? In a way, yes. Um, we're, I think it's, an, you know, anytime you put out as much music as we have, um, that 
you kind of run the risk of people not having context for your story and knowing how to contextualize like this piece of music and and what this means to the artist and that's why it has a certain emotion or power um i feel like pop is really good at that you have to know what that person is going on in their life in order to hear this new song through that lens um but like for where we come from i guess um uh, you know i certainly haven't done that um tried to really share my personal life and connect it to the music because that hasn't really been the most interesting thing to me um so to do that 10 albums in is kind of like a yeah it's like in a way it's funny because i don't know that uh, it's hard for me to know if people will sort of even notice or care and that that is kind of what i think made me want to do it is that like you know any artist i think you get you you get this far in i think you lose the connection like who are my fans i don't think they're the same people that you know they're definitely not the same people they were whatever 15 plus years ago and uh you have to kind of think less about who those people are more just about for me who who i am and like the old songs are always there we're always gonna go play them that is always sort of like a a, we're in ways very fortunately a built-in part of you know we can go on tour and and play that catalog but to try at this point in the game to do something that feels vulnerable and risky you know in a way it's not like risky in the sense of like oh my god if if this bombs it's over for us you know um but i i I, um i almost kind of wish it was that way i wish i wish um uh, but you know i guess the whole culture around um around music has changed so much like stuff like reviews and stuff like a critical lens um and and sort of drilling into the meaning and message and artist it's it's very different and i don't think we're like I don't think we sort of are put through uh, a microscope in that way. So um, all that being said, like, I, I guess I, I really, I know that our fan, like the sort of like the hardcore fans will really dig in and, and really like this and really like that. It, I've already seen that, you know, and I, and like, I love that. Um, and then what it means like beyond that, I don't know. So, you know, yeah. So to answer your question, like I, 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 it does make me like a little uncomfortable but I also like maybe if it was our third album I would I would feel like more nervous about that but you know yeah I should have done it then probably as well music industry has changed a lot since you first started what would you say is the biggest change you've noticed i think right now we are i think part of this type of like 90s nostalgia like interest i think that especially like younger people that i would classify like anybody like under I don't know, under 35, I feel like super generalization that there's like less, just like less cynicism, like less, less cynicism over like, um, 
there, there was just such a, a rigid type of like holier than thou, like nothing is cool, like type of sense. Whereas now I feel like there's such a such a more kind of like optimistic of like like oh I don't like that, but if that's for you, that's cool, you know, like um like if you like something like the the same type of like criteria for what might be like really legitimate versus really like cheesy those lines are so much more blurred and i i feel like they were so rigid kind of when we came up and we were always like uh, this almost sense of like being so nervous about being too silly or too i don't know i i i don't know but i do i also think it just kind of probably goes in cycles a lot too i think i think it goes from like um from being like very reverent to irreverent like i think there was a time where like the the older the whatever like whether it's like bruce springsteen and tom petty to whoever like th that there was a time that like a the the young pop star or the old rock star or whoever was just like they're just they're lame because they're 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 not making the art that moves the the kids almost and and now i feel like it, that is so different like the legacy artists or the big pop artists and then the indie artists and whoever like it's just sort of like do whatever you want it's not um either or you know back when i was crying on your shoulder because i had to hide my face i was mixed up tripped out all in my I never thought about it, but I totally see it now that you've said it. Do you think shifting away from cynicism is a good thing, or do you feel like we should be more critical with music? Artists are funny. They they we can really like hide in um, in our influences and in our like references and and like like oh this this new record is you know it throw out ten names of incredible records. This is like the Velvet Underground and the Talking Heads and the da da da. And they're like, whoa, whoa, cool. You really like know your stuff. But it's like, don't care about that. And like, I feel like in general, people are, again, my my older old guy view is that I'm like, I feel like a younger person is just like, oh, I, like, I don't care. That doesn't mean what to me, what it means to you. Like, um, and uh, I've seen, you know, how a lot of our peers have done it. I've, I've seen, I feel like we've probably tried to do that too of like, you know, you're in the studio or you're doing a conversation like this or you're like and you're and you're like we are like this this previously existing you know work of art that has all this meaning and culture around it and like yeah that that's not like um I, I, I like bristle at that. I don't I don't like that. And I don't I, I feel like it's complicated because I um, everything artists are very inspired by previous work and all that. And, and I don't think anything comes out of nowhere. But I think that sort of being irreverent about what you pull from and not needing to know all the all the stories behind it and all the history and all the gear, all the people, everything like just kind of there, there, there has to be with music a sense of like is it good does it move you or not 
And that is so intangible and so hard and so subjective that that the artist doesn't really know, you know, and that like especially I feel like the, the most sort of celebrated legacy artists like have had a lot of albums to sort through what it is that they do well and you know you can't you, you just can't talk about like bruce springsteen and be like oh i like these few songs but it like well it took him like a thousand before that you know a thousand songs to get to those few songs and that's great it's and it's totally fine if you only like his one song <laughs> and like whereas i feel like our our generation is more it's just all or nothing like you can't do that you can't just sort of like grab that one song you like it doesn't you know you're not paying attention to all the history and all the all the stuff i mean generally i think it's really good i think you have to kind of knock down the whole seriousness and studiousness of music in order to kind of get to something new that's so interesting i now i want to go back and like look for that in music moving forward yeah i mean again like and i i think it's uh, it's funny yeah again i was just having this conversation how this, this person was saying how like two thousand the time we came out like early 2000s 2010 like it was it was just a, a very like when i think of the like the pitchfork kind of like vampire weekend and dirty projectors and tv on the radio i'm trying to think of, like such a like a very like east coast uh, uh very very pretentious very like kind of at times ivy leaguey like the references were like there's you know there's this 60s african guitar player mixed with this da 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 and you like i felt very outside of that so i was always kind of critical of that and just how sort of how how into itself it was um uh, there's no there's no easy way to say this but like spiritually <laughs> it's a real spiritually it didn't ascend to something higher it felt like very much the 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 sum of its influences were were sort of the the product and like that doesn't do anything for me um, and I don't think it has, it, it, and I think that's probably why it hasn't aged as well as something that sort of, and I say spiritually in a very like, you know, the, hopefully the most abstract way, something that is, um, inspiring, uh, in a intangible bigger sense and um just that that time and those artists and and i think what they valued was they wanted to be the smartest people in the room not necessarily the the the, the ones that evoking the most emotion Cold War Kids, make sure to check out their brand new self-titled album. It's out now. It's great. Go check it out. All right, stay tuned up next. It's your feedback. I don't wanna move, give me your presence. I don't wanna move. Ooh, you deserve, you deserve it all. 
You're listening to Tillin. The song is Return It All. Today's show is brought to you in part by The Chosen. Season four of The Chosen is coming to theaters nationwide on February 1st, and this season has everything. Clashing kingdoms, rival rulers, and when they're threatened by the reality of Jesus' growing influence, religious leaders do the unthinkable, choose to ally themselves with the Romans. As the seeds of betrayal are planted in opposition to Jesus' message turns violent, he's left with no alternative but to demand his followers rise up. So get ready, relevant podcast listeners. February 1st is the big release day. Go get your tickets now at thechosenriseup.com. Okay, it's time for your feedback. Uh, last week, we got talking at the end of the show. If you didn't hear it, go back two episodes and listen. This is really funny. It was at the end of the show. Jesse got talking about his ideas for why can't just the government do some common sense stuff? It started because of daylight savings time. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is stupid. So can we fix that? Can we, can we gather political momentum around fixing daylight savings time? And then he said, while we're at it, can we also fix hot dogs? Can we also fix some other stuff? So then it got us thinking, what are the other things that should be on Jesse's common sense party platform? You hit us up on X at Relevant Podcast. You hit us up on uh, the other platforms at Relevant Magazine. Here's some of our favorites. I was going to say, before we get to the actual um, There's a lot. issues, I do just want to talk about how there is already some fighting within the common sense party that I think is very funny. Uh, there were, mm, I think I could... I will settle this. I included two examples of it, but there was someone like put out a uh, like an idea that we should that uh, the common sense party should run on. And within minutes, there was a response of you will get zero support from Jesse on this issue. Like people are just already start there. Should we just start there? But we need like a common sense, like meaning like a death, like a starting point that everyone could because common sense to me is different from some of these people. So, yeah. but I know, just thought need, it was like, hilarious. Jesse, we need leader, leader, Jesse, please give us some insight. Where's this? Where's the bar? Where's the standard of common sense? Where does well, it start? I've covered this as, as nauseum. Prosecute <laughs> shopping cart non-returners. Enough is enough. Again, I don't support it for the for the whole AI conversation. We need human jobs out there. Okay, this is another way people can be employed by wrangling up carts. If 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 an individual grocery store wants to impose penalties, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna stop them. But no, you know the future holds. There's gonna be little robots roaming the the parking lots. Basically, already have those at Target. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. Mm. Like yeah. that, the, the future of shopping out Wranglers being a job, that's already on the way out. So sorry, I, man. I saw several variations of the, of this, but like the amount of <laughs> chips in a bag versus air yeah. or the amount of mm-hmm. cereal in boxes versus bag. It's all over the board. Mm. I, I, like, I can tell I like, which one's Republican, which one's Democrat, basically <laughs> based on how they frame the question. None of them if are Republican or Democrat. Of them, they're common sense. Yeah, it's a it new party. I can tell which party they left. I can tell which party they left. It transcends partisanship. And and obviously, there needs to be a global standard for cereal in the cereal box versus cereal bag, you know, mm. or chips in a bag versus air this is this is common sense that's that's when i go and that's executive order day one i will bring out uh i will have some doritos i'll pour them out and i'll do a demonstration for the american people and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get this settled day one and you know one of the things i read about when the when inflation was going crazy on food prices over the last few years like i i, I read about like some of the things some of the tricks that some of the food companies do to 
actually do inflation without you realizing it. And they don't raise the price. They just give you less. Mm-hmm. So when you go there, you're still paying three bucks for this thing, but you got less in the package and it's shrinkage mm-hmm. inflation is what they call it. Shrinkage. So My shrinkage. mom brought up a great point. She said when we were kids, the Whopper, she'd have to cut it in half. She couldn't eat the whole thing. And now it's like, it's, it's tiny. You know what I'm saying? Right. Mm. It's not right. a Whopper. Not a whopper at all. Anyway, let's read some of the the listeners. Uh, I like Smitty's. He said, I really think it's time we discuss airplane deboarding etiquette. If the federal government can intervene on what liquids I can or can't have on a plane, can't they also keep Eric and 49E from running to the front once we land? This is a massive pet peeve for me. So I agree this should be on the ticket. For me too. too. The etiquette. And now this new generation doesn't get it. They don't. They don't. It's every man for himself. There's going to be a standard of how we do things, and you, it's it's in a specific order. And if you cut, mm-hmm. um, you will be fined heavily, and you will be immediately Oof. placed on a no fly list for the rest of your I like life. That. I love that. What's happening right now? This I love is that what's Iron happening Fist. is that this is Iron Fist enforcement. Jesse isn't reading the suggestions from the listeners. He's giving his official party platform yeah. feedback no, I need on like the suggestions. music in the background right. for that. Yes, <laughs> yeah. definitely. Yeah. So Adam Davis <laughs> says there's too many streaming services. They yeah. need to go back to just a few because they're making cutting the cord pointless. So in other words, he's saying bring back cable. There will be a forced there'll be a forced merger and it will be and and Chip and Joe will run all platforms. It's decided. <laughs> wow. They've, they've yeah. demonstrated that they that they're ideas people and that's what this country needs. What's next? Yes, I love it. I think Stephen Hay might be running for VP because he submitted like seven different options. Yeah. So he's a lot. He's hoping to be your running mate. I wasn't I guess. planning on needing a VP, but let's hear him. Well, first off, I do want to put his Twitter <laughs> handle is get That's to another, the chopa one one seven. Hold on, Emily. That's another thing. Common sense. <laughs> the VP does nothing. Okay, you don't need a vice president. You need right. one president. What is the? No one even knows what the vice president. He's just does. there's a backup in case the you know the one drops that out, isn't it? <laughs> So look, yeah. I'm Emily. I'm glad you uh, said his name because when I read it, I thought it said "get to chopper." I was like, "Oh, this boy is yeah, violent." Different, bro. Much different. <laughs> get to the chopper. Get to chopper. Most of these are from one person. Yeah. Like he was really invested in yeah. this thing. That's yeah. what I was going to say. He's one running. person was What's heavily invested. He's a whole page in our feedback. The whole page is just him. Uh, I think my favorite one he put all potluck dishes should have labels with who made the dish. Some kitchens shouldn't be eaten that's from. That's a good one. It's just Ooh, common sense. Like oh my god, that's a I great like point it. right there. That's like, a good one. I don't one. trust yeah. her. I'm not yeah. trying that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. And it solves the dispute of who 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 kept the lid or or, or my Tupperware didn't make it back. That's mandatory right. labels at any sort of. I like how you're together. adding on it, Jesse. Like yeah. you're already building. That's that's why mm-hmm. I deserve the vote. Jeff 2708 says, make the ceremonial first pitch of a baseball game the actual first pitch of the baseball no, I've game. Long That's a Jesse Carey this. idea. I've long acted. Wow. wow. <laughs> At this point, I mean. Make it count. Yeah, I'd love to see, you know, Shohei Otani, like, take Jimmy Carter yard first pitch. <laughs> Jimmy Carter gets just just boom, just, just knock one out of the park. Just I don't want to see a jaw rule throw the first a, pitch and yeah, it knocks a jaw rule meatball up into if it the happens on the field. It counts. That's all we're that's saying. Right. No, yeah. There's no ceremonial anything. They lose the game because of that. Like that's where it's, that's where it's going to head. They're going to lose. It's going to be a mess. Yeah. Jake Jake Odening says I'd vote for Jesse Carey in a heartbeat. So got it. Good. You got my Good. vote, that's bro. Why, that's what I'd like to hear. 
I was also thinking we, about we the can, slogan. I think it should be like, now we're cooking. Because I just feel like that's a... <laughs> now we're cooking. Cooking with gas. What? That should be it. Cooking with gas. Cooking with gas. It's just like yeah. one of my favorite phrases. But I also think now it's we're like... cooking. Like everyone hears, now we're the, cooking. hears the ideas and they're like, okay, now we're cooking. Like, let's yeah, go. I like that. I like that. Now we're cooking for okay. sure. I'm the social that's media a, manager. That to me is... <laughs> In front of like the square that he speaks in front of, it's like Jesse. Now we're cooking. If like, I get invited letters. to a debate, if I get invited to a debate, I will disregard the uh, like the mediator's question and just read from this list to the answer to any question. <laughs> Love it. Jesse, I have a question. Ryan Hinkle calls you out, not calls you out, but he says, "I'd imagine Whoa. Jesse will give major pushback to this, but it's high time we all commit to the metric system." Here's, mm. I mean, you saw the Napier gets on the metric of system. SNL. There's a whole George Washington sketch about how ridiculous our you know, America I is. Did. It was a great. What do sketch. you think about the idea of standardized measurements and weights? I I think you know, for the most part, I'm a pacifist as as part of my platform. I'm I want to I want to I think this is a, a platform that will bring in global peace. But we, the United States, will do whatever we can, take whatever mm-hmm. measure necessary to bring people to our system because that's how we do things. Okay, that's right. Common sense starts with global enforcement of the metric of 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 the American system of everything. I'm sorry. But we have to set a standard here, people. I'm too committed to know. I so you're American we don't first. Got time. I, 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 <laughs> oh my I'm God. too committed to, to relearn. <laughs> That's a, now we're cooking. How about this? How about this? The national and global uh, system of weights and measurements. We're going to give the Olympics stakes. Whoever wins mm. the Olympics every year is the country that gets to decide the global system of weights and measures. Oh wow! England, you want to keep yours? Guess what? You got to beat us at the Olympics. The Olympics are actually going to mean something because who's not watching mm. the Olympics if measurement systems are are at play right. every four years? It's Love a great it. solution. Love it. And I just fixed the Olympic viewership. <laughs> All right. Well, there's a, there's, a, there's a lot more where that came from. Uh, there's there's a lot of ideas. You guys can keep adding to the platform planks if you want to go check out our replies on social. Uh, that was great. Uh, okay, it's time for this week's. Editorial question of the week. Hey. Well, earlier in the show, we told you about Chip and Joe getting a production development deals outside of their milieu of home renovations. They're going to hamster racing. They're going to roller jams. We want your ideas for other non-scripted shows that we should send over to Chip and Joe to suggest for them for their new Max development deal. So hit us up with your ideas. You know, they're doing roller jams and hamster races they're open to all ideas is what we're saying. So maybe we can get yours greenlit. Hit us up on X at Relevant Podcast and on uh, all the other platforms at Relevant or Relevant Magazine. And we'll read our favorites on next week's show. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, obviously we will be sending them to Ch- Chip and Joe. We'll be listening and as will uh, executives at all the major streaming platforms. So bring your A game and you will not be compensated. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, and you will not be compensated. Not be compensated. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. Every time you say Chip and I keep thinking you're going to say Chip and Dale, like yeah. the old, that's, my mind goes to like Disney. So every it's time this you, you're about to, Chip I'm getting, Dale. Yeah, it's, it is, it is. Well, before we wrap things up, I want to thank Nathan Willett from Cold War Kids for, for uh, joining us today. Make sure to check out their brand new self-titled album. It is out now, just came out. Uh, you'll enjoy it. Also, head over to RelevantMagazine.com. If you haven't checked out our most recent digital issue, we have so many incredible conversations. Drew Holcomb, Andy Grammer, Christine Kane, Judah and Chelsea Smith, so much more. You don't want to miss it. It's right there. Just click on the magazine tab. It's available for free. If you uh, want to 
get a better content experience from Relevant, i.e. no ads, uh, you get an ad-free version of this podcast, unlimited ad-free reading at relevantmagazine.com when you when you uh, sign up for Relevant Plus. Uh, plan started as low as $2.50 a month. We'd appreciate the support, and I think you'll enjoy it. Make sure to follow us on all the socials. Make sure to sign up for our newsletter to get our best content delivered right to you every weekday morning. Um, yeah, and on that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. Oh, sorry. I'm Derek Miner. I'm Emily Brown. And I'm Marty. We'll see you on Tuesday. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, browse the shows on the Relevant Podcast Network, which you can find at our site. And while you're there, don't miss the all-new era of Relevant Magazine. A new issue releases every other month at relevantmagazine.com. I might actually run for office. Relevant Podcast Network. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.